Hello, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, your host, Evan Sider, and joined by a very special guest today, Travis Wingfield over at Locked On Dolphins. Travis, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for asking. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. I'm glad to be doing this with you, and uh, we're going to be having a fun episode for you guys today. We're going to talk about the Dolphins first and foremost, because I think from from my point of view, it seems like they're kind of tanking, but I know, Travis, you're you're, you're, you're telling you're, I want to hear your your thoughts on that because I know you've been talking about a lot of locked on Dolphins. So let's dive into that before we go into our fun mock draft here at the end here. What's your thoughts on the Dolphins this year? Because it just seems like with signing Brian, Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're, they're planning on the 2019 draft class of quarterbacks like a Dwayne Haskins, a Drew Locke, a Daniel Jones. It seems like on the outside like again. What's your thoughts on what they're doing right now? So it's funny because the biggest argument Dolphins fans have pretty much engaged in so far this offseason is how to classify what we're calling this a bill or this idea to maybe not have winning football games be the primary intention of 2019. And I know that sounds funny, but they're basically just kicking the can down the road to 2020. And, what, and, and the way they're doing that is basically absorbing the salary and the dead cap from bad contracts in the past and eating that money and trading off the fact that they paid for that money for draft picks in the future. And that's why they do have 12 draft picks right now in 2020. This year, they're not going to be good. I don't think anybody expects them to be good. I do think they actually like Kyler Murray, but I just don't think it's really feasible to go up and get him because the Cardinals can just pluck him off the board first pick and that dream's over. And so beyond that, I don't think they really have an affinity for any of these quarterbacks. And because of that, and because of basically the mismanagement of the roster that has gone on for three or four years now under Mike Cannonball. We've got all these crazy contracts that just, they never made sense from the standpoint of they're not worth the value they paid them, but also the timing and it's just paying guys that weren't even their own guys in-house. It was all very strange management structure. And so Tannenbaum's gone, and now they're basically cleaning up the, the messes that he made by absorbing some of this dead cap and eating some of the money they paid guys like Brian Tannehill and Robert Quinn just to trade them off to get future draft capital they have 12 draft picks in 2020 right now. And I think what they're going to do is just try to slot the voids on the roster, on the offensive line, on the defensive line, probably in the secondary as well. Because really the core foundation of players isn't as bad as most people think it is. There's some good parts back in that secondary. A couple of good linebackers. The defense as a whole has some nice parts, and so does the offensive skill positions. But the offensive line, defensive line, and quarterback positions are just a black hole with not really a whole lot to go back on. And so they'll probably try to build up the roster, the core foundation this year, and then drop the quarterback in in 2020. There's been rumors, I've just been listening to some podcasts and reads for stories, that the Dolphins have actually been scouting already guys like Tua Tagovailoa of Alabama, some of the other 2020 quarterbacks. Have you also heard the same thing? And do you think that that really is their goal next year, a tank for a guy like Tua? I think that Tua is definitely the guy they have their eye on. I know that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, becomes somewhat enamored with the you know, the red carpet, so to speak, or the what goes up on the marquee, the guy you can bill as your franchise player. And Tua Tungavailoa is the name that everybody knows right now because he tore college football apart last year and the previous year in the national championship game. So I think that he is pushing that train hard. He wants to be able to market Tua. He wants to put Tua into the game and win football games immediately in 2020. So I think that is their mindset. But I also think as far as what they're looking for at the position, a guy like Jake Fromm or a guy like Jordan Love would both fit what they want at the position. So, you know, trying to lose more games than everybody else is actually hard to do because you're going to stumble upon two or three wins every year as long as you don't just completely flub it. So it's not a great philosophy, but their thinking is to get back into that top five portion of the draft, whatever it is, 
and find a guy that they can really build around their future. And whether that's Tua, Fromm, or Love, I don't know yet, but I know that Tua is the guy that Stephen Ross, the owner, would want the most. So if you had to make a general prediction for next year at the Dolphins, would you say over under three or four wins at most? Yeah, I, I've been saying four and 12 is my prediction. Yeah, I think that's probably around where I think they'll be as well, and that's right near the bottom as far as the standings go, especially when you look at the standings this year. A lot of 4-12 and 12 teams. So really interested to see how it'll break out next year in the NFL for the Miami Dolphins. But from your perspective, Travis, on the Indianapolis Colts, what's your thoughts on what they're doing? Because it seems like they're rapid ascent. They're drafting very well with Chris Ballard. Do you think that they're an organization that's doing it right, so to say? Oh, I love it because to go back to last year, you got what two All Pros in your first two draft picks. I don't has anybody done that before. I don't. I mean, that sounds like just insane level of high drafting. Plus, they didn't go out and spend crazy with all that free agent money. And to me, that's the smartest thing they could have done because all these contracts that get paid out right now, they never actually live up to the value of what you have to pay on the open market. So I'd rather turn around and pay my own guys like an Andrew Luck, who's already taken care of, or T.Y. Hilton, or even like Marcus Hunt, for instance the guy you guys, the player you guys brought back, and then going out and getting like a Justin Houston when, it, when the time is right to strike like that. And I think Chris Ballard has a really good feel for what his roster needs, what his roster lacks, and how to appropriately allocate those assets they have. And he's done a great job so far in a couple of years he's been in charge. Yeah, to answer your question there, Travis, the Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, they're the first duo since Gail Sayers and Dick Buckus did with the Chicago Bears. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it really is, and it just speaks to, I think, how good Chris Bauer could be as far as scouting goes and the guys he has around him. But just bringing it back, just tying it all together from a scouting perspective, what do you think Miami should do in this draft class? I know we've talked about a lot on this podcast about what the Colts should do, but what do you think is the Dolphins should hit hard, especially in the first few rounds? We're going to get back to this later on the podcast, I'm sure, but I, I think they definitely have to trade down because you look at what's on the board, it's 13 picks in the draft. The way it stacks up to me, and I've kind of gone through the scenarios, is that the defensive line help, the really impact blue chip type of players, aren't going to be there for you. I'm talking like Ed Oliver or Brian Burns or whoever it might be that you think is the blue chip pass rusher in this class that gets beyond Nick Bosa and Josh Allen and those guys. I think that all of them go in the top ten. And so Miami's basically stuck looking at the offensive line and then the secondary to kind of fill out some of these needs they have to properly run the new schemes they're going to run under Chad Roche on offense and Brian Flores on defense. So I think that the number one primary objective, and they could short sell even, take less value than what it's actually worth, is to trade back. Like number one option is to trade back and then go after the offensive line, defensive line, and some secondary help. Yeah, I think that's definitely what Miami should, when you just look at the roster from my point of view, I think that's definitely your weakest links. And definitely, I think they could trade back and get a lot of pieces from some teams that might be greedy, so to say, as far as trading up. We'll definitely hit on that later in the podcast. But Let's just dive into it, Travis. Um, do you want to do – I have this uh, coin flip app on my computer open. Uh, since you're the guest on the podcast, heads or tails for the first pick, and I'll let you go. I'll take heads. All righty, here I'm clicking it. You got heads. Congratulations, Travis. You have the first pick. We'll just alternate. I'll do odds – or excuse me. Yeah, you'll do odds, and I will do even. Even. So, Travis, you're up with the Arizona Cardinals. That's my favorite player in the entire draft. I've loved him since before. He decided he's going to play football. I think they hired Cliff Kingsbury for him. Got to take Kyler Murray all the way. I'm totally there with you. Actually, I'm stationed out in Arizona right now, and this it's just a weird dynamic going on. Just before I go on to my next pick, what's just your thoughts on that? That really weird dynamic that's going on with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray, and 
you I never really heard something like that where you draft a quarterback, especially trade up into the top ten and get one, then the next year you're gonna draft one and get rid of the other guy. Yeah, especially when you trade up for him too. That's that's the weirdest part about it. I mean, it's probably an indictment on Steve Kime, the GM there, but I mean I was never that high on Rose to begin with and I love Kyler Murray, so it's easy for me to make that call. I think that what they're trying to do is probably trying to keep it as secret as they can right now so they can get something for Josh Rosen, but they're going to have to sell him off for pennies on the dollar compared to what they paid for him last year. So it's certainly interesting. I've never really seen this before where a team had to do this and go back and, and kind of refix that problem, but I think they're going to do it. And in draft day, I would assume they trade Rosen somewhere like to the Redskins probably. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think the Redskins actually make a lot of sense and, I, I think another team that makes a lot of sense could be the Giants too if they somehow get some yeah. him. But it really, it really wouldn't surprise me either way to see him go on draft. I think that's the most logical choice, and I think Kyler Murray is the superior quarterback for sure for what Cliff Kingsbury is running in Arizona. But for my pick, I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. I feel like it's the easy one for me. Number one prospect on my board overall. I imagine he's probably number one on yours as well. So I'll toss yeah. it back to you. I feel there's really not much to say on Nick Bosa there. So New York Jets with you back on the board, are you going to go Quentin Williams here with best player available or are you going to go more with the need? Yeah, I think best player available is the best option just because Quentin is so damn good both on the inside and the outside, rushing the passer, stopping the run. I know the Jets are kind of getting sick of taking interior defensive linemen, but if it's the best player there, he's the most impactful one they have. I think it's a no-brainer right there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think those three guys, Kyler, Nick Bosa, and Quinn Williams, I think they're the three best guys in this draft class. But for me, I'm on the Oakland here to go through a quick mock going 1-13. to For me, I might go a little off the board here for some, but I think Devin White makes a lot of sense for the Raiders. I'm going to go with him over Josh Allen. I feel like he, Devin White makes a lot more sense for what the Raiders are trying to run, and he could be just an all-pro linebacker route throughout the shoot for them in Oakland. I just love the fit in their defense, so I'm going to go with Devin White with Oakland and you're back on the board again with Tampa Bay, Travis. That makes it easy for me because I can go ahead and take Josh Allen to the Bucks right here. They've had a pass rushing deficiency for who knows how long now they need a guy that can rush the edge off or rush the passer off the edge. So let's go Josh Williams out of Kentucky or Josh Allen out of Kentucky. Alrighty. We'll lock that one in as well. And this one might also throw a curve for you, Travis, because this one I think just really interests me lately since they traded away Damon Harrison a little bit ago. Ed Oliver, I'm going to go here to the Giants. I feel like just like a, a guy that Dave Gettleman would love. Yeah, 100%. Uh, a hog molly, so to speak. And I think Ed Oliver's – I think he, he's closer to that. You mentioned uh, Dick Bosa, Kyler Murray, and, and Quinn Williams. I think he's closer to that group of players than anybody else in this draft. So good value to get the fourth best player to me at number six overall. For sure. And you're back on the board, Travis, at Jacksonville. I would have said quarterback here, but they got one in Nick Foles. So where are you going to go with them? You know, I was looking at my mocks yesterday, and I went with TJ Hawkinson from Iowa because I think they want to be that ground-and-pound type of team, and Hawkinson can play that true in-line wide tight end and give them a solid blocker off the edge to help them with that running game but also can contribute to the passing game because they don't really have anything at tight end, so we'll go TJ Hawkinson. I actually like that pick. I haven't really thought about that one that much, but the way you said it and the way they have Leonard Fournette there, I really actually like that pick a lot. So I'm back on the board here at Detroit. And the board's pretty pretty weird for them at this moment. I feel like maybe they go Rashawn Gary. Maybe they go. I would have said T.J. Hawkinson for them, but I'm going to go with yeah. Rashawn. I'm going to go with actually Montez Sweat because I feel like he's the better player than Rashawn Gary. But I feel like that the Lions will would go Rashawn Gary in this scenario. But just to mix things up, I think Montez Sweat's the superior player. I'm going to go with him at number eight to the Detroit Lions. 
Perfect. Sounds good. That puts me in the clock with the Bills, right? Yeah, you're back in the clock with Buffalo. This has to be an offensive lineman, if you ask me, and between Jonah Williams and Jawan Taylor. And I'll take Jonah Williams because he can play multiple spots, and he plays left tackle, which is always a bonus, too. So we'll go with uh, Jonah Williams out of Alabama. Alrighty, I like that one, and I, I I agree with you. I like Jonah Williams more than I do Jawan Taylor, but I'm back on the board here. Second quarterback for me is off the board. I feel like if it broke this way, John Elway is going to take Drew Locke, and that's who I'm going to take for the Broncos here. And you're back on the board, Travis, with an interesting team here, I think, Cincinnati. And I'll go ahead and take a, a run on quarterbacks here and go with Dwayne Haskins to stay in-state with Ohio. I think they eventually want to replace Andy Dalton, and this gives them a chance to do that. Yep, I love that one, too. I think Zach Taylor was actually at Ohio State's pro day as well, so it could be something, maybe a team that maybe moves up on, on draft night. But I'm back on the board here with Green Bay, and really interesting. They could go BPA here, and they don't really need an edge rusher since they got two of them in free agency. So I'm going to go with a, a luxury need here. I'm going to go with Noah Fant out of Iowa for my pick here, which means Miami. The board has broke really interesting for Miami here. They have Rashawn Gary. They have DK Metcalf, Brian Burns, Andre Dillard. Christian Wilkins also have a lot of offensive line on the board still. Do you think first off that Miami would trade in the scenario if the board broke that way? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm afraid of as far as getting stuck with this pick because I don't really like the options here because to me, everybody they would look at would be available six or seven picks down the line. So trading out right here and taking less value, like I said, would be my number one goal. Alrighty. So I'm going to call up here. I'm Chris Ballard in the scenario. And I'm going to offer you a really interesting trade I've been thinking of for a little bit. Since the Ryan Tannehill trade, correct me if I'm wrong, well, it was a, a two fourth-round picks in 19 and 20. I'm sorry, I think I, I, think I lost there. Two, four, two fourth-round picks in 2020? Yeah, oh, is that is that what the Ryan Tannehill trade was as far as the Tennessee one? I, I believe they, they sent away two fourth-round picks for him. Oh, they gave us a fourth-round pick, and the Dolphins sent them back a sixth-round pick this year. Oh, okay, okay. So they got a fourth round pick. So interesting for me. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with sending you guys twenty six and I'm gonna send eighty nine, which is their third round pick. Do you think that'd be enough? I don't think it would because you look at the draft value chart. I was actually playing this yesterday and for the Vikings to come from eighteen to thirteen, the number eighty nine pick in the draft would or I think it was eighty nine or maybe eighty one. Whatever it was, that was what it required for them to get up that far. So I think they're probably gonna have to go with the second round pick to get that high. Alrighty, so I will go up here with 26, and I'll also I'll keep 89, but to make things even sweeter for you, I'm going to throw in a future second-round pick, so I'll do 26, 89, and a 20, 20 second. Oh, that's beautiful, because then the Dolphins get a little, bit, a little bit more ammunition to try to trade up next year in case I don't finish dead last, so that's accepted, sir. Alrighty, so that means... That's an acceptable trade, and really, I think that's what a, a team like Chris Bauer would do and uh, Ed Dodds in the front office there. I think they're going to be aggressive on draft day. I think that he mentioned in their uh, Adam Schefter podcast interview with Chris Bauer that there's only about 14 or 15 elite players in this draft class, and I feel like if the board broke this way, they've met with Rashawn Gary, they've met with Brian Burns. I think that's who they who they pick between here, and I'm going to go with Brian Burns. If you guys have been following along with my Twitter account, Locked on Colts, I've been really loving Brian Burns recently. So let me ask you this. If they if the Dolphins did pick that did keep that pick in the scenario, would they go with a guy like Brian Burns or Rashawn Gary? Yeah, he, Burns is the one guy there that I would actually have a hard time passing up on because like you mentioned, he does have, you know, the elite pass rushing traits. But the Dolphins defense is going to be different than what most defenses are in today's NFL because Brian Flores, or if you want to take the Patriots defense as what his blueprint might be, it's not really based upon 
like an elite edge rusher because the Patriots always trade away those guys like Richard Seymour. They got rid of Chandler Jones in the middle of his prime. It's more based on the scheme that gets the pass rush from the quarterback. So I think they're going to be more inclined to take a guy that's more of like a Chase Winovich, a guy that can play the run and the pass equally well and just kind of, you know, gives you more effort than he is just a staunch or like a stout pass rusher. So I think that they'll balk on the idea of Brian Burns or Rashawn Gary and get out of that spot. Maybe just a sneak peek for our listeners here, Travis, and then we're going to have our mock draft special here later this week on the Locked On NFL podcast. But what did you end up doing for the Dolphins there with your pick? And I was so mad about that whole thing because when Kyler Murray started to fall, which to me is totally unrealistic, I tried to trade up, and the Bucks guy was not giving me anything. Like, I tried to give him next year's first-round draft pick. He's like, you got to give me more than that. And then he took less than a first-round draft pick for the trade that was actually made up with the Bengals, I think it was. So that – that pissed me off. <laughs> and then I wanted to go back, and the Chiefs guy wouldn't give me anything to go all the way back to 29. He wanted to give me a third-round pick, and I was like, that's, that's not enough. So it just didn't work out. I got stuck on the board there at 13. I took Dwayne Haskins, even though I don't think that's what they'll do on draft day. I agree. With you. I think if it broke that way, they're definitely going to be in a scenario like we just did in our exercise there, trading back to a team that might think they're on the cusp of Super Bowl contention, which the Colts definitely, I think, are if they add a Brian Burns alongside of Justin Houston on the edge there which I think would be a really interesting sight for, de- for defenses to behold. But before I let you go, Travis, I have one more general draft question for you. What's the main storylines that you're watching for uh, just as far as general NFL draft takes before the draft happens in, here in two weeks? I think it's got to be the Josh Rosen thing just because it, it, the quarterback dominoes are so unique every year. And if he goes to a certain team, that takes you know that team out of the quarterback market. It changes the way teams value their trade-up options. So Josh Rosen, wherever he goes, will drastically alter the way this draft plays out. All righty, Travis, for you go, appreciate the time as always. And if anyone is not familiar with the Lock on Dolphins podcast or your Twitter account, tell them where to follow you at and also about the podcast. Yeah, Lock on Dolphins podcast, as your fans know, a Monday through Friday daily show. Uh, try to get as in-depth as analysis and, and use analytics and all that fun stuff. Basically not surface-level journalism that you get from other outlets. And I'm um, at Winkfield NFL on Twitter, my last name, and the show is at Locked On Fifth. All right, you guys. Appreciate everyone listening as always. And to Travis for coming on today. We'll be back to you guys tomorrow for our next episode.